seated. Amen. Uh, wonderful presence of God all the time. There's no question about it. His presence is precious, and it's in here. Praise God in a beautiful way in Jesus' name. This week, we, um, uh, as every month, uh, we give opportunity for people to get involved in prayer and fasting. As a church, we take a week, a month, and we just kind of dedicate it, set it aside for that, which is the upcoming week that we have here. And so um, uh, we just invite you to do that. I know fasting is not something that the flesh enjoys and probably never will, but the bottom line is it really does draw us closer to God because a lot of times it'll shut down the very thing, the very thing that will oppose God. Amen. And so hopefully you will see the value of that and you will get involved in that. Saturday, uh, there will be collective prayer here. The church will be open from 5 to 6. And so if you want to, you can, you can come and you can be a part of that. Um, also this weekend, we have a, a men's retreat that, um, that is taking place in Alpine, Wyoming. I think there's several that are going. We're making arrangements to do that. Um, and that will be leaving on Friday morning. And so to, uh, keep that in mind if you're going to be going. Um, be a long trip. There's no question about it. Be coming right back on Saturday. And so those of us that are on that trip, we won't be able to be here at the church, can't be in two places at one time, but uh, we can make it a point to be praying on our way back home too, in Jesus' name. And so um, that's what you got. You've got the men's retreat, you've got prayer and fasting this week, and I believe the Lord could help you draw closer to him. Scripture says if we'll draw nigh unto him, what does it say will happen? He will. He will. God will. Amen. Um, God has already gone first. He's already came to this world, gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So if you're looking for God to go first, he already did. Amen. Now he's looking for you, looking for you to draw close to him or have the willingness to do that. And God doesn't hesitate when that kind of thing happens in Jesus' name. And so keep these things in mind. Also, my wife um, wanted me to announce that on Wednesday of this week, um, uh, it's a very important holiday. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, uh, but um, if you've read your calendars, it is National Meatloaf Day. Um, I personally never observed that holiday. It's, uh, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, if you are a meatloaf fan, you can do it with all of your might. Go ahead and make a big meatloaf and enjoy it, and, and I will be glad for you. Amen. And so that is how that works. Um, and so isn't God good, though? He is. He is just a precious God. We, we do are very, very blessed people in Jesus' name. How many like a good story? You like a good story? I do, too. I don't know if you're aware of what an allegory is. Um, an allegory um, is just basically, it's a presentation of a truth by a story. That's what happens. Somebody will tell a story that will support a truth. And um, in the Bible, you find that from time to time. This morning, I want to share one with you in the book of Galatians, chapter number four. This is the Apostle Paul. And of course, he's making reference to an Old Testament um, event. Um, I don't know, um, Abraham is one of, is, was a, a very, very powerful character in the kingdom of God. Um, I, I'm looking forward to meeting him. I really am. I think that he was a special person, and, and um, I view his life through the lens of the Scripture, and I see several things that just stick out to me. I see a willingness, even at an older age, 
to, um, to do what God wanted him to do. And um, that, in our culture, a lot of times can be very, very rare. But um, Abraham took it upon himself to be obedient to God. And the scripture says that because of that, that God actually counted him as righteous. There was a righteousness that God would put upon him, you know, because of that obedience, because of that um, willingness to do what God wants him to do in Jesus' name. Um, Abraham was 75 years of age when he, um, that we pick up the story. I don't know what kind of lifestyle he had, but prior to that, the scripture doesn't give me any indication of that. Um, and so you just got to kind of, you know, I'm not going to say make up your own way, but you just kind of suppose that he was a person that probably was sensitive to God prior to that. But at 75 years of age, God did a major shift in his life. You got to understand where he came from. He came from the Mesopotamian Valley, which was probably one of the most fertile places in the earth at that time. Um, it was a good place to live. You could grow things. You could raise things there. And I mean, it was, um, um, it was good. I don't know if it would, would compare to the place I came from, Iowa, but I'm thinking there's some pretty good similarities there. And so Abraham was willing to leave all of that. Isn't that amazing? And his life really does have a lot to offer and a lot to, to teach us because of the fact that his willingness to do what God wanted him to do, obedience, you know, put him in a place where God could really continue to, to pour out not only his blessings, but his direction, praise God, for him. And it's beautiful. You can read that story. It, it, it starts around chapter number 12 in the book of Genesis. And basically his life story goes all the way into around chapter 24, 25. Um, and again, just remarkable. You know, I, I try to put myself in his position when I'm reading that story. Character studies have always been able to help me, um, especially those characters in the Bible that have given themselves to God. And we think a guy like Abraham probably didn't make very many mistakes. But, you know, there was a few of them, you know, that he made. He was human, and he wasn't perfect. And, um, and, and uh, I don't know if this was a mistake or not. I've still been, the jury is still out for me. I don't know. But Abraham was 75 when he left the era of the Chaldees, and he began his journey. And then when he became in 85, he got a little bit restless 10 years later. And, of course, you got to understand one of the um, promises that God gave to Abraham was a child. And not just a child anywhere, but he was going to give him a child through um, his wife, Sarah, who could not bear children. She was barren. And, of course, in, in that age and in that time, that was, a, uh, that was a reproach. But God was going to heal her, and that was the intention of the Lord. But Abraham, being like we are sometimes, he, he got restless. And, um, and what happened was they kind of came up with their own little plan. Does that sound familiar? We do that from time to time ourselves, don't we? Sure we do. And I'm not here to point the finger. I'm just saying, you know, it's what we do. And sometimes we have to be careful with that. One of the things that I've always felt is that we can learn from our mistakes. Amen. I can learn from yours too, but I mean, basically, I really want to learn from mine. And I don't want to, you know, uh, become a habitual repeat offender. Um, I think that's what Christianity sometimes sows that seed. That you can just about do anything you want with God and then he'll forgive you and, and everything will be swept under the proverbial culprit and you can just go on your way. And, you know, in, in some ways that is kind of a half-truth. God does forgive. 
There's no question about it. Never forget that. You know, one of the things that the devil will try to impose upon your flesh, and your flesh will receive this. Your spirit is a lot stronger than your flesh. It really is. And if you could learn to allow the Holy Ghost to regenerate that human spirit, you could find some strength that you've never found before. But the flesh is weak, and especially when it comes to the things of God. And the flesh, when, it, when it's pertaining to the things of God, really does want to give up a lot. It just wants to throw in the towel. wants you to just say, well, listen, this isn't for me. I'm going to find another way. But when you find true Christianity, I would hope that you reach the conclusion that I have reached that there is no other alternative. I'm not going back. I can't go back, not knowing what I know. This would be the worst thing that I could do in my life. And so I've made up my mind, and I hope that you will too, that, that I'm just going to trudge on. Um, a lot of times when I'm in one of those periods of time, and you can, everybody goes through them, there's no question about it. I have found something very helpful to me, and that is to keep doing what I know is right. Just keep doing it. Keep praying. Keep reading my Bible. Keep coming to church. Keep giving. I mean, never stop doing those things that I know that God wants me to do. And a lot of times it doesn't take away the pain, but what it does is it helps me to get through. Because that's what has to happen. And so when Abraham turned 85, you know, him and his wife came up with this idea that, hey, you know, why don't we just take a bond servant? And we'll just have children that way, you know? And I don't know how much reasoning they did with the plan of God, but, uh, and it doesn't, the scripture doesn't give us, a, you know, the, the, the complete conversation, but you can imagine they felt like, well, you know, God will accept this. You know, God will accept what we're doing, you know, that type of thing. Well, we understand that, that, that through that decision, and again, I don't know if it was a mistake or not. I, I know it wasn't the plan of God for them to claim that child as the promised child. I know that for sure, because God specifically said that promised child is going to go through Sarah. You know, if they want to have another child through another means, you know, I guess, you know, that's a decision they have to make. Well, we understand that Ishmael was born. Um, let, me, um, let me read something for you in, in, in the uh, book of Genesis pertaining to um, um, Ishmael, because God, after they had the child, actually Abraham was 86 years old when the child was born, and in chapter number 16, I believe it is, where you'll find this story, the story of, of, um, um, of uh, Ishmael. Um, the Lord says something about Ishmael that sometimes we forget, and there are descendants of Ishmael around. Sometimes we mistake them for other cultures. If I had time this morning, um, I would go into that. There's a very direct teaching that you can find the descendants of Ishmael. But um, because they had this child, and you can't take it back, I've always told parents, you know, once you enter into that hospital, it's the point of no return, you know. My idea was when I went into the hospital and we had children, I just would go up to the nursery and I would tell the nurses, I said, I want the one that sleeps all night. <laughs> I'll take that one home. I'm just kidding. But the idea of it is when we have children, we have children, don't we? And here we are, you know. There's not a whole lot of schooling that's done on that. We can observe our parents. We can observe other people, that type of thing. But here we are. We have the child, and the child is going to live. Praise God. And so what happened through a process of time is that um, one of the problems that was brought about by that decision was there was a jealousy that was brought about with Sarah. She got upset. See, it was her idea to begin with. 
How many's ever been there? <laughs> yeah. I'm not pointing any figures. Sometimes we men can do the same thing. And then all of a sudden we get in the middle of that project or in the middle of that decision and we go, oh man, I don't like this, you know. And so a lot of times we just have to put up and we got to just go through what we did. Well, that's the same thing that happened here. But listen to what God said about Ishmael. And this is in Genesis chapter 16. And look at verse 12. The scripture said, now God said this. He said, and he will be a wild man. Look at that. And his hand will be against every man. Notice that. He's not going to be friends to anybody. He might be for a little while. But then all of a sudden, he's going to get mad at them too. And I, I think we got people like that in this world. That no matter what you do to them, no matter what kind of appeasement you make, no matter what kind of compromise you give to them, they're just going to get upset. It's just the way it is. And this was the epithet that God put on Ishmael. Amen. So right away, you understand there's going to be problems down the road. Amen. And so again, I don't know if, uh, obviously God allowed it to happen, so I got to believe it was his will. But along with this, you know, came the problem. And the scripture says, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. And so there it was, the proclamation was made. Amen. And you say, well, what does that represent to us? Well, not a whole lot, because Ishmael is no longer around. You and I don't have to put up with his tactics, except in the spiritual realm. I believe that there is a spirit of Ishmael that is around, that basically is kind of antagonistic and, and basically contentious and that type of thing. And every once in a while, we'll see it in the church. Or don't matter what anybody preaches or teaches, you know, the people just ain't going to agree with it. And again, I found myself, personally, my first step to something like that is to ignore it. That's what I do. And it's not like I don't believe it's not there. It's just that I'm not going to give it any credit. It's kind of like I put it up with the same, in the same lineup as the devil. A lot of times the devil just needs to be ignored. And we need to just go right on with what we're doing. Now I understand there's times that we can't do that, but I think a lot of times we could. We could just begin to focus ourselves on God again. We could begin to take heed to what the scripture says, go back to the, maybe some of the roots that we've got in our own lives and just proclaim those things again and start living the way God wants us to live. Can you say amen? amen. That's, a, that's a good recourse. Amen. But there is a story, and I mentioned the fact that there's an allegory or a story. And so Paul in the book of Galatians, and that's where I want to take you now, he chose this subject to teach the church, us, some things. Amen. And hopefully today we're in a position where we can receive that and we can understand what's going on. There's a, a lesson that I teach, and it might be mixed into this one here today, and the lesson is just entitled The Conflict. That in life we have certain conflicts. We try to avoid them. You know, we really do. I'm not one to go hunting for conflicts every day of the week. But becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus and a disciple of the Lord, I found that just living for him, I'm going to run into him. And I have to learn how to handle him. I have to learn what, what's going to be my response. Not only the, re, the initial response, but what's going to be my response after that and then after that and after that. And I found with that kind of preparation, you know, it helps me to get through these things a lot quicker. Amen. And a lot of times what it'll do is just get me on to the next conflict. 
But watch this. See if you can pick up on this. Paul it's told this story or this allegory in, um, in the fourth chapter of the book of Galatians. And I want to begin reading in verse 22 there. Look at this. The scripture says there in verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. Notice this. One by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. And so this is what it's termed as. And the scripture says, but he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. Look at somebody and say, after the flesh. Amen. And it says, but he, it says, of the free woman was by the promise. Does anybody think of a scripture right off the top of your head where the word promise is in it? Oh, the Bible says, be, repent and to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. Somebody say amen. amen. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then what does it say in verse 39? For the promise is unto you, unto your children, unto them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I think in this allegory or this story or this presentation of a story that brings out truth, I believe we can, we can think about that promise. We are children of the promise. If you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, you are a child of the promise. Amen. And this is how we live. We live free from certain things, praise God. It's not that they don't happen in our lives. It's that we just simply don't get too caught up with them anymore. Praise God. I'm telling you, I am so glad about that in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so the allegory or the story goes on, which he says in verse 24, which things are an allegory for the things, it's for these are the two covenants. Do you see that? Agreements. Remember, that was the thing that God gave to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And the covenant just means he's going to agree. Amen. And that covenant was, I'm going to agree that you're going to have a child. And not just a child from anybody. You're going to have a child to somebody where it was impossible, praise God, for that woman to have a child. Amen. Now, that's, a, that's no small miracle, folks. That's something you and I can look back to, and we can see that God does the impossible. Come on, there's probably several of you in, in here today that you might be facing some of that kind of thing in your life. There might be some impossible situations that you're looking at, praise God. But I'm here to tell you that you can begin to have faith in God. You can begin to have some confidence in Him. And I'm going to tell you something, praise God. You can begin to become that child of the promise again, and you can begin to believe that through His Spirit these things are going to happen in Jesus' name. Man, I feel led of the Lord right now. Just to encourage you to lift your hands right now and ask God to give you some clarity on that. Come on. Come on. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what the circumstances look like. Amen. Praise God. I'm telling you, if you're a child of the promise, I'm telling you, you've got hope where there is no hope. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Just knowing that ought to give us enough incentive not to go back. Not to go back, praise God. I'm not going back to that, to that flesh. I'm not going to go back to that way of thinking, praise God. And with your help, Lord God, I'm going to keep on keeping on. And I believe that we're going to see the end come to pass. And your ways are going to be known in Jesus' name. And some miraculous things are going to begin to happen in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Praise God, praise God, praise God. And so he goes on with this story here in in Galatians 4, in verse 24, after he says the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, and of course we understand that Mount Sinai is where they received the law. Got to understand, when God delivered the children of Israel from their bondage of Egypt, amen, there was millions of them that came out of that bondage. And God took them to the Red Sea purposely so that they could understand that when you got God leading the way, nothing, nothing, praise God, is going to be too, too hard for him. And they went across that Red Sea, praise God, and they, get, they went to the other side. And of course, it wasn't just a little while later, and they started complaining, and, and, and God helped them to understand he was there with them. But you must understand, God's always got a destiny for people. Amen. And the beautiful thing is, is he led the children of Israel to Mount Sinai. And one of the purposes of that was so that they would receive the law, so that they could have a parameter that they could, they could live within in Jesus' name. Praise God. And I'm so thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. Somebody said today, well, we don't have to worry about the law. Well, that's not necessarily true. The law has actually kind of took a couple of steps higher. And the Lord is not writing that law on stone any longer. He's writing that law upon our hearts. That's what's happening, praise God, because God wants to get that that part of it down in Jesus' name. But look at this. The scripture says in verse 25, for this agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. It says, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. It says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Do you see that? And then it goes on to say, for it is written, rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than than she which hath an husband. And it says, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. You see, he claims that right there. You and I are the children of the promise. And then in verse 29, it says, but as then... Now he goes back to the story, Abraham, you know, having the two children. He says, but it says, as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. And he says, even so it is now. And so I go back to one of my thoughts. That's the conflict. That's what's going on in our world right now. Amen. Sometimes we can see it extremely plain, and sometimes it's a little bit hidden. But nevertheless, if you hang around with God long enough, you're going to begin to see that conflict. You're going to begin to see that the flesh, praise God, just like Ishmael, wanted to have its own way, wants to do things its way, praise God. But you and I, we're, we're children of the promise. Can you say amen? We've determined we don't want to do it our way. We want to do it God's way. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how long you've been living for God, but you don't have to live for God for very long to figure that out, that doing it God's way is a whole lot better than doing it your way. Amen. But listen to me, even though you begin to do it God's way, which is what one of the goals is in the New Testament covenant, amen, God does, he fully discloses that, praise God. But you know, even though we begin to do it God's way, I'm going to tell you something, there is still, there's times, praise God, when that conflict is going to show up. Amen. Amen. 
Let me demonstrate this, you know, through scriptures, because the scripture helps us to understand, amen, that you and I have a, a, a dual nature. We have a dual walk. We have dual mindsets, praise God. And I don't want somebody to think they're going crazy here today, but I just want you to understand it's within you whether you like it or not. Amen. But you can choose. And that's one of the things that God helps us to do in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me give you an example of this. Look at Ephesians chapter number 2. And let me show you this. Let me show you the dual nature that we have. Look at Ephesians chapter number 2. And let me begin reading in verse number one. Now, I understand I'm doing teaching here this morning. For some reason, this is where we're at, and I'm comfortable in it in Jesus' name. Now, the scripture says there in verse number one, I'm in Ephesians chapter two, it says, and you, everybody say, that's me. Amen. That's you and me. It says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Come on, can somebody say amen to that? Do you remember that when you went down in Jesus' name baptism and every one of your sins in the past were completely washed away? Come on, folks, don't forget that. That's an important part of the promise, amen. God said he would forgive us, and he said he would wash us, amen. And so the scripture says we were there, amen. And then in the Bible says along with that in verse number two, wherein in times past or time past, we walked according to the course of this world. Now that's talking about us, by the way. And it says according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now listen, folks, that was us. Amen. But we're children of the promise. But the Bible says among, verse number three, it says, whom also we all, look at that, in verse three, had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature. Do you see that? Listen to me, folks, it wasn't your fault. You came by it honestly. But that's where we found ourselves when we were born in this life. Come on, it's not that hard to understand. You can point the finger and blame everybody else, but you're part of the problem too. Now, come on, that's why you and I must understand that the conflict is still there. God didn't eradicate our flesh. He didn't take our mindset out. He began to heal it. He began to touch it. He began to show us there's another way in the name of Jesus. That's what God did for you, and that's what he did for me. But listen to me, even with all of that, the conflict is still there. Amen. And so by nature, this is the way we were. We can sit here and we can, you know, we can put down Ishmael all we want. He was a child born of the flesh. It was the flesh that wanted that child, praise God. But God had a promise, praise God, that, that Abraham was going to have a child through Sarah. And bless God, when he got to be 100 years of age, that promise came to pass. Can somebody say amen? Why don't you lift your hands right now and thank God for the promise? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You better believe it, folks. We are children of the promise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So let me give you the other side of this, okay? Let me give you the other side of this. Look at 2 Peter chapter number 1. Now, we just read in the book of Ephesians that this is where we came from. This was our nature. You and I were born this way. Amen. 
But look at this in verse number 1 of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant of and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't feel like that this morning, but I'm looking into the eyes of people that that's who he's talking to. He's talking to you. You've obtained some righteousness through Jesus Christ. Even though you had a fallen nature, you were able to get a hold of the thing called God and you were able to overcome that in Jesus' name. But let's look at how that happens. Praise God. The scripture says grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God in verse 2 and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power come on I'm talking about something that can help us hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue and look at verse number 4 come on the Bible says wherefore or whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the what? Come on, folks. You had, you had a natural nature. Come on, you couldn't, you can't, you can't deny that, praise God. But look at what God replaces that with. He replaces it with his divine nature. That's what God does. When you, are, when you begin to repent of your sins, I'm going to tell you something. Something begins to happen in a person that nothing else can bring into their lives. They begin to recognize that there is a God, and he's going to hold me accountable, praise God. But God, who is merciful, can somebody say amen? He plots a course, praise God, where you and I can deal with the conflict in a godly manner in Jesus name and that's why his goodness his mercy will lead us to repentance that will in my opinion lead us to baptism in Jesus name for the remission of our sins of our past and now God doesn't leave us there he gives us his divine nature how does he do that he fills us with his precious spirit I'm not talking about a spirit of an angel or a spirit of a good person or the spirit of Abraham God fills us with his precious spirit and you want to know what happens we become partakers praise God of his divine nature that's what happens praise God some of you need to begin to recognize the conflict that's in you right now and amen God's already plotted a course for you to take care of that for the rest of your life amen praise God the Bible uses I think it's a five-letter word you know in a lot of places you know and one of that five-letter word is, is called yield and one of the things that God wants to help us to do is learn how to yield to his divine nature. And that's why the baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to you. Because the scripture plainly tells us in, in John chapter 16 that it's his spirit that will lead us into all truth. Amen. And it's the truth that sets us free, folks. It's his truth that sets us free from what? From the nature that we were born into. Now, it doesn't take away the conflict yet. Because you and I are still going to have conflicts with that until we are raptured off of this earth until we are changed in a twinkling of an eye. And that thing that is the conflict, which is our flesh, is done away with. Praise God. But listen, folks, God has given us power. He's given us strength. He's given us a way in which that can happen in the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't you lift up your hands right now, and why don't you ask God to accentuate that in your life right now? 
Come on, his divine nature. Do you see the two? This is the way we were. That's what Paul told us in Ephesians. He said, we were all this way. We all had our conversation. And the word conversation there simply means our lifestyle was that toward the natural person. But praise God, that all changed when Jesus Christ came onto the scene and he was the one that, that was able to take away the sins of the world, praise God. And because of that, amen, now you and I can be partakers, praise God, of his divine nature. I'm telling you folks, not some kind of a pipe dream now. I'm telling you something that is reality. This is your hope. This is where your eggs need to be in this basket, by the way. In the name of Jesus, we ought to be spending a lot of time every day practicing and trying to yield to his divine nature. That's what we ought to be doing in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. And so this is what you have. This is one of the reasons why you and I have that conflict, praise God. Amen. Let me further accentuate this a little bit so that you can understand this. Turn with me to the book of, of Romans, chapter number 8, and let me show you something else that kind of goes with this. Again, uh, you know, the allegory was told in the Old Testament. You know, this is what happened, praise God. And so they had to deal with Ishmael, praise God. Well, you and I, we got to deal with our flesh. And I'm going to tell you something. God has given us a powerful antidote. And that antidote is His divine nature. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Look at chapter number 8 of Romans. And of course, the entire chapter there is dealing with living in the spirit, in the spiritual realm. That's one of the themes that you find in the book of Romans. Praise God. Let me take a segment out of that and see if I can help you to understand a little bit further about what's going on so that you can reasonably make a decision today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Praise God. You see, if you're going to live in the divine nature, you got to make a decision to do that. God does not force his will on anybody. What he does is he makes it available in Jesus' name. And I'm going to say, just like your, your, your natural man, you got to make a decision, praise God, I'm not going there. I'm going to go this way, praise God, and I'm going to begin to yield to God every day that I can in Jesus' name. Now the scripture says here in verse number, um, um, in verse number 5, 8 and 5, Romans 8 and 5, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. It says, But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. You can't have it both ways. And in my opinion, that's one of the problems that I see with um, so-called Christianity in our culture, is that they're trying to mix the two. And you might be in here today, and that's been your problem is you're trying to mix the flesh with the spirit. And you have to understand that is not going to work. In fact, all that's going to do is conjure up more and more frustration for you. That's what it's going to do because it just will not work. It's like oil and water. They do not mix. And so you must understand and begin to recognize the conflict that you have. Amen. But the good news is, is that God has given you the power to make a decision, praise God, today. God has given you the ability through his grace, through his truth, through his peace, that you can stand up against that conflict and you can say, I'm not going there anymore. I am going to begin to yield to this. I'm going to begin to let God's nature have its way in my life and I'm going to begin to live the way that God wants me to live. Come on, can somebody say amen? 
that's the hope that you and I have in this life. Like I told you before, the only way you're ever going to get rid of that conflict is either to die or let the rapture of the church take place. That's when you get rid of the conflict because then we're going to be with Jesus. We are going to be changed. The thing that was the, was the natural person, the thing that was the conflict with God from the beginning is going to be gone and we're going to live in his presence. Come on, let's take about 15 seconds right now and let's thank God for that promise. Come on, I know that promise hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. Oh, I'm telling you right now. Come on, the Bible says that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Come on, we're going to be with the Lord and that divine nature is going to be in us for always in Jesus' name. Come on, that's what you got to look forward to. That's what you got to look forward to. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what you got to look forward to. And if you give that one up, folks, you absolutely have no hope. You really don't. And I'm not a doomsday prophet, folks, but I'm telling you right now, that is our only hope. Amen. And that's why you and I, we need to rejoice in that promise. We need to look forward to that, praise God. We need to, on a regular basis, lift up our hands and say, God, I'm in this for the long haul. I can't wait until I see you. But praise God, I'm going to live for you in the name of Jesus the way you want me to because you sent your divine nature in me. You gave me the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're not going to take it back. I'm going to live the way you want me to live in the name of Jesus. Come on, folks, that is hope, that is faith, that's a, that's a whole package in Jesus' name. But listen to me, folks, it's like the author of the book I just got done reading. In the meantime, yeah, that's where we find ourselves right now. We're in the meantime. Yeah, we got the promise. We got the earnest of our hope already. Come on, if you got the Holy Ghost, say amen. amen. I'm telling you, folks, you got it. You don't have to go looking for it. It's already there. And the good news is if you don't have the Holy Ghost yet, you can still get it. Come on, that's the deal. God promised His Spirit to everybody, praise God. What does that mean? It's just like His love. God makes His love available to everybody. That doesn't mean everybody's going to take Him up on it. It just means that God says everybody can have it. And it's the same thing with His Spirit. And so in verse number five, they recognize that you can't have it both ways. That's why some people get frustrated with Christianity. Now, that doesn't mean that you deny your faith or your flesh. It just means that now you recognize it. You recognize there's something in you that wants to oppose the things of God. But as I've already told you, you got the power and the strength through Jesus to be able to, to deal with that conflict. Now watch this. The scripture says in verse number six, it says, for to be carnally minded, that's the same thing as the flesh. It says, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And notice that word spiritually is not capitalized. That's your spirit. I told you before that if you'll mix God, if you'll put God in your, in your human spirit, you will find strength and stamina that you've never found before. Now, don't get the big head because you're relying upon God. It's God that rejuvenates that human spirit that allows it to be able to go through things. And that's something that probably many of you have already experienced already. You've experienced times that you went through things that you knew without God. You were never, ever, ever going to be able to make it. 
But now you know you can. Now you can. Some of it, some of you went through physical turmoil. Some of you went through all kinds of things like that. And I'm not trying to prick the wound open. I'm just trying to help you to see what God is doing. Come on, God has given you his divine nature that no matter what comes your way in Jesus' name, you can get through it in Jesus' name. Praise God. So to be carnally minded, praise God, is, is not the way we want to go. Because why? Look at verse number 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. You could replace that word enmity with the word unreconcilable. It's like oil and water. It's not going to mix with God. Now, some of you that have been trying to mix the flesh with the spirit, do you see why you're getting frustrated? Do you see why it just seems like you, you take two steps forward and three back? That's what's happening. And you and I must understand that God doesn't expect for you to live for him in the flesh. He expects for you to have your spirit, your human spirit regenerated, and you can live for him in the spiritual realm. That's how God has designed for it to happen. And that's what happens to apostolics. And sometimes we, we, we have a hard time grasping that, that while we are down here, we're dealing with the conflict. That's what's happening. And so the Bible says, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. What that is, folks, is basically, your flesh can't figure God out. It just can't. And so that's why, again, people, they get frustrated. They don't think God likes them. They think that God isn't for them, which that is not the truth. The truth of it is, is that you put on the lens of the flesh, and you're trying to figure God out. And you're not going to be able to do that. And so the scripture says, it says, so then it says in verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't accept us. Well, and it might be partially true. If you're trying to live for God in the flesh, he isn't going to accept that. The Bible says that he has designed us to become people who can, who, who can begin to do spiritual sacrifices. That's what we're lined up to do. And so you and I must be very careful that we understand that that conflict is taking place in Jesus' name. Now, listen to what the word says. It says, but you are not of the flesh, but of in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. It says, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of him. Now, that is not, an, 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 that is not some um, um, ultimatum. Basically, that's knowledge. That maybe there's somebody sitting in this place today that you do not have or you don't feel like you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm just saying you can get it. You can have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. That's what the New Testament, one of the ingredients of the New Testament covenant is all about. The promise that God said, I will make my Spirit available to you. And then I have found people in my travels, I've taught a lot of Bible studies through the years, and there's times when I've taught a Bible study on the born-again experience. I've taught people the fact that, that Nicodemus was a very religious man, but he needed God. I teach them that Cornelius was a very devout man, and, and he was a good person, but he needed God. And I like to use those examples in the New Testament. And then I'll teach them that this is the way God wants you to do it. And I'll go through the message, a uh, beautiful message 
message of repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll notice when I'm talking about the Holy Ghost that people's, their eyes will get a little bit bigger. And that is my cue to stop and say, have you ever experienced something like this? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've stopped counting. But there's been many times that the person, it doesn't matter if it's a female or a male, but they'll look at me and they'll say, man, about 10 years ago when I was in a service, I was, I was there just worshiping God and I was trying to do what God wanted me to do and I just lifted up my hand and all of a sudden there came a language out of me that I never heard before. And I'll look at them and I'll point my finger at them and I'll say, that's the Holy Ghost. That's what that is. You received the Holy Ghost. And you know, almost every time, folks, the sad reality is, is that they've never spoken tongues again. And I said, there's your problem. I said, I don't worship tongues, but I said, one of the things that helps me is when I pray in the spirit is I said, it connects me with God. It does something for my human spirit. It does something to help rejuvenate me. And I've done it right in their living room. I've done it right at their kitchen table. And I said, let's do that right now. Come on. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they'll lift up their hands and guess what? They'll begin to speak in tongues again and again and again. This is what I'm talking about, folks. This is what God has done for us. This is the divine nature that he put in us. Amen. But listen to me. You can go back to the flesh if you want. I hope you don't. I hope after a lesson that is very, very black and white like I'm teaching here today, I hope you'll make a decision today to say, now I know what's going on. I'm not going to revert back to that flesh. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have the conflict. It just means that now you recognize what the conflict is. And you can do something about it. You can lift up your hands. You can begin to, to, to talk to God. You can begin to be revived in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's take about 30 seconds and let's do that right now. Come on, this is your, this is your privilege. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on. This is what God wants us to do. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, I hope that you I hope that you will welcome this. This is not some spooky phenomena. This is God's nature in you. This is God connecting with you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, listen to me. Remember last week when I talked about the 15th chapter of the book of John, how that we need that he is the brand, that he is the vine and we are the branches? Amen. And the only reason the branch can have any life at all is because it's connected to the vine. I'm telling you right now, that's what speaking in tongues is designed to do. It's not designed for us to worship it. It's designed for us to reconnect with that, that vine again. That's what God wants to do. Because if you ever want to produce fruit, I hope that's your desire. It's mine. We've got to be connected to that branch. That's what God, and your flesh is not going to do that. It's, not, it's going to oppose it. It's going to come up with all kinds of reasons not to do it. That's what it is. And listen, folks, you and I came by that honestly. That's how we were born into this world. And that's something that God already realizes. That's why he's made provision for it. 
That's why he's given you, praise God, an allegory. He's given you a story that you can read, that you can identify with that. Just like Ishmael wasn't the promised child and Isaac was, you can begin to see that your flesh is not the promise, that, you're, that his divine nature is, and that's what affects your human spirit. Amen. And you begin to recognize that. And you begin to, t- to take action, praise God. It's like faith. Faith without works is dead. If you don't connect with God, you can't expect to have his power. And God has already made that provision for you. Amen. But just like anything else, the things of God can either be accepted or they can be rejected. And that's why God gives us these things in Scripture, very plain, praise God. And so verse number 10 of the 8th chapter of the book of Romans says, And if Christ be in you, it says the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. And you know what the good news is? Yes, that promise is going to be fulfilled because look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. How? By his spirit that what? Dwelleth in you. And all tongues really does is it's a sign. Read the 14th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. A sign. It's a sign for what? For unbelievers. It really is. Tongues is not a sign for me anymore. It's just the way I do things, praise God. It's like I said, I don't worship tongues, but I certainly use it to reconnect with God. Amen. And so this is what it is. I'll never forget walking into a full gospel business meeting. This was back in in the middle 70s sometime. I can't remember exactly when it was. I was working at at a place, and a man invited me to a full gospel business meeting. And I'd never been to one before. And basically what it is, it's just an association that includes all kinds of denominations. And at the time, I didn't know. And so I went. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in there with him, and we were talking. And all of a sudden, the service started, and there was a lady, a young lady, she was probably younger than I was but she was sitting in front of me and her and her husband all of a sudden began to lift up their hands which that was even foreign to me at that time I didn't lift my hands I I I was raised in a denomination where you didn't do that stuff well I was just trying to get get acclimated and all of a sudden she began to speak I, I it sounded to me like it was Chinese and I mean I couldn't put my finger on it and I looked at the guy that brought me and I said what is she doing And he said, well, she's speaking in tongues. I said, what is that? And he showed me right there. He said, this is is where God gives people a language that they never spoke in. I said, is it good? He said, yes, it is. And I'll never forget that was one of the, I can trace that back as one of the first encounters that I had with people speaking in tongues. Now, I'm going to tell you something, folks. For me, I could never forget that. I never forgot that. And I remember when I was seeking for the Holy Ghost, how that really began to help me. And that's why I'm telling you, probably your first encounter with the Spirit is probably going to be somebody else doing it. And that's a good thing, because you'll begin to see the evidence in a person, not just reading it in a book. And either that's going to, that's going to you know, water your curiosity a little bit, or it's going to begin to let your fleshly skepticism begin to work over time. Now, come on, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. I have stomped on your flesh all morning. I have, and you know I have. 
And the good news is, is hopefully some of you are at a place right now where you don't mind that so much. He's not such a bad pastor. Amen. He eats cakes. He doesn't like um, meatloaf. Amen. See, that's the deal. That's why I preach the way I preach, is I'm not trying to cater to your flesh. Not even trying. I'm trying to help you to understand that God has made his divine nature available to you. That's what he has done. And I'm going to tell you something, as it promotes in Scripture, praise God, it is a whole lot better, praise God, than anything we've ever had in life. Now really, what we have to make the determination, and I, I, I just feel like we need to sing this song this morning. I hope you don't mind. But I don't want to go back. After knowing what I have known, knowing what I have heard already, I don't want to go back to the old style. Now, I understand that some people have to run that debate through their minds, sometimes for years, and I still don't know why. But they do. They go back and forth, back and forth. And that's what gets them frustrated. Instead of accepting the fact that there's a flesh in this world that's never going to get along with God, it's never going to like the things of God, but God has helped me to bypass that into His, His, His literal, His nature, praise God. And God can help me to yield to that nature. And I can begin to find the strength in God like I have never, ever found before. Chrissy, you come if you don't mind. But let me just finish it off with this. In the book of Zechariah, in the Old Testament, as with a lot of books, you don't have to turn there, Sister Carnahan. I just want to make this statement. In the fourth chapter of the book of Zechariah, you can read this for yourself. What it's doing is it's prophesying about the future. And it covers quite a bit of ground there. But one of the things that the Spirit allows uh, Zechariah to know, that there's coming a time that it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by power. It's going to be by God's Spirit. That's how he's going to raise his church. That's how he's going to give people the victory. That's how people is, he's going to help people to really get the victory in their lives. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, no matter what kind of condition, I talked to Larry this morning, and he's my hero. He's here today. And I understand in the, in the flesh, and I hope he wouldn't mind me saying this, he's going through some pretty tough times. But I'm going to tell you something. I shook his hand this morning, and I'm going to tell you something that I felt, is I felt there was one, not one diminishing of his spirit in him. Now, I'm telling you the truth. Amen. Now, can God heal him? Absolutely. That's an easy one for God. But God has already given him the promise. And so you and I, we have to understand that no matter what happens to us, no matter what kind of circumstances come our way in this life, praise God, that does not take away from the promise. Listen, just like I told you this morning that there were people that I've taught Bible study to that have actually really realistically received the Holy Ghost years, years. I talked to one guy one time teaching him a Bible study, and you can believe this if you want, but it's absolutely true. I'm not making this up. He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost while he was training to be a priest in the Catholic Church. He was in seminary, and he received the Holy Ghost he just never knew what he had. And you want to know something, folks? He never became a priest. 
Now, I'm not down on religion right now, but I'm here to tell you, folks, there is something in this place here today that is much better than religion. And His name is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, I think what God would like from us, I'm just trying to follow the Spirit, is I believe that God would like a commitment from us today. Not that we've got this whole conflict thing all figured out. Not that we've got everything down, that we know exactly what's going to happen from here on out. I think we've got some knowledge. But I think what God would like from us today is a commitment. That God, I'm going to stay with this thing called the divine nature. And if you're here today and you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm here to tell you, you can stand up and you can begin to lift up your hands and yield to God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You can receive the Holy Ghost right here, right here this morning for the promise. Come on, somebody say the promise is unto you, unto your children, unto them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God is calling. And I'm here to tell you, praise God, He's calling people today to His divine nature in Jesus' name. Do you want to reaffirm that today? Why don't you do this while we sing this song in Jesus' name? I've been changed, free to live her. 